Sovereign Grace Chapel, located at 135 Annabelle Lane in Beaver, West Virginia, invites you to listen to a gospel message concerning Jesus Christ our Lord. like to follow along, I'm going to be in the Song of Solomon. Solomon's Song or the Song of Songs, however you want to title it. It comes right after Ecclesiastes. Chapter 5, and I'm just going to read the last verse of chapter 5, verse 16. His mouth, his mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Now this is a book, technically, actually, it's, all, it's called a song. A song of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church, his believers, his brethren, he calls us. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. And this is a song of love. The song of love, the love of Christ for his church, and also the song of the love the church has for Christ. In it, we hear of his love for us. And here's one of the really nice things about this. We see, we are told how Christ sees us. His people. And we get to see and hear of the church's love of Christ. How we see him. And how we hear him. And that's what we have here. In this actual chapter... Toward the end here, we have how the church of Christ views the living head of the church. The beloved one. The beloved one. And this verse starts here, his mouth is most sweet. Now, I'm basically going to preach from verse 16. My title is this, he is altogether lovely. Uh, But, in order to get to verse 16, you kind of got to look at verses 10 through 15. Because this is the last part of the description of Jesus Christ given by the church, given by the betrothed. Verses 10 through 16 is an answer to the question in verse 9. It says, What is thy beloved more than another beloved, O thou fairest among women? What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost charge us? What's so great about Jesus Christ? That's the question. That's the question. Now, here's the thing. That's a good question. However, if you don't know, I don't know that telling you is going to help. But tell them you must. Be ready to give an answer to any man that asks of thee. And this was the answer. 
The question is, what is thy beloved more than another? We see the answer. What is Christ? Well, wait a minute. Who is Christ to the believer? To the believer. Well, here in verses 10 through 15, it starts off, my beloved is white and ruddy. The chiefest, chiefest among 10,000. I like that. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. This woman sounds like she's in love. It is. His hands are as gold rings set with the barrel. His belly is as bright as ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. I like that. I do. From his head to his feet, he's perfect. He's perfect. You understand? Pilate said it. I find no fault with this man. Well, there was a reason for that. There was no fault with this man. <laughs> he was perfect from his head to his feet, top to bottom. And here's the thing that gets most people inside and out. Inside and out. Now, he had no beauty that we should desire him. But that doesn't mean that inside and out he wasn't perfect. He was. And he is. He is perfect. And I like where it says he is chiefest among 10,000. If you look at Young's literal translation, it says this. He is conspicuous above, above a myriad. You know what it means? Ten billion. He's chiefest. They, they just put in 10,000. Back in those days, that was a big number. Well, that don't mean nothing now, 10,000. There's more people than that in Mercer County. More people than that in Raleigh County. No, he's the chiefest among 10 billion. He's the chiefest of all. And I did like that. Conspicuous, what about above a myriad? Then this description ends with this one comment at the verse beginning of verse 16. His mouth is most sweet. So... You have this description, like I said, from verse 10 to, to verse 16 at the beginning. It says, what is it about his mouth that is most sweet? It just kind of popped into my head. Because why did the songwriter, Solomon, wrote this, stop with this list here as the pinnacle, as the top? His mouth is most sweet. Well... I got to thinking about it. His mouth is most sweet because of the words he speaks to his bride, to his betrothed. His mouth speaks words of love to his betrothed. You'll find it in the book. His, his, his most sweet mouth. That's kind of hard for me to say. His most sweet mouth speaks words of love, speaks words of comfort, speaks words of hope, speaks words of majesty. 
words of instruction, words of blessings, and words of kindness. His most sweet mouth speaks. And most of all, most clearly of all, this most sweet mouth speaks nothing but the truth. The absolute, unvarnished, undiluted truth. Oh, that makes that mouth most sweet. Ah, you understand his mouth cannot speak a lie. God cannot lie. Doesn't want to anyway, but he cannot. He speaks. It's true. It's true. Thy word is what? Truth. Truth. He cannot speak a lie. There's no guile in his mouth. There's never a word of deception or deceit come out of that man's mouth. Never one. You understand? My beloved doesn't say one thing and mean another. No. My beloved says what he means and means what he says. And I'm going to tell you something. That is most sweet of all. Oh, I like that. Because when he speaks of love, he means it. When he says he loves his beloved betrothed bride, his church, his people, he means it. Oh, that's good stuff. His heart is abundant with love for his bride. And his mouth, the most sweet, speaks. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now that's a problem for you and me. It's not no problem for my beloved. It's not a problem at all for him. Out of the abundance of his heart, he speaks. And he speaks words of love. He speaks words of comfort for his people. And here's the other thing about my beloved. He never changes. I said it last week. I'll say it every week. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. If he's speaking words of love, about you and to you today, he's going to speak those words of love to you forever. My beloved never changes. His love never changes. Well, we sing a song here. I thought about this since this is Mother's Day, okay? We sing a song. There's a verse in it. Can a woman's tender care cease toward the child she bear? Yes, she may forgetful be. And sometimes not without reason. But yes, she may forgetful be, but will I remember thee? My beloved is not faint. My beloved does not forget. My beloved does not change his mind. My beloved's mouth is most sweet, and he speaks words of comfort and love and joy and majesty and power to his betrothed. And he means every single word of them. He rules and he reigns over all because his word is true. His word is law. And his words, this is the thing about our beloved, his mouth most sweet. His words will not return unto him void. They shall, they shall accomplish that for which he sent them. Now, you or I may not, know, may, not, may not know what they went set forth for. We may not know why he sent them forth, but coming back to him, 
they're going to accomplish exactly what he wanted them to. Oh, I like that. His mouth is most sweet. And that's where that description starts. And then we have this statement. Yay. I like that. His mouth is most, we're going through this whole description. He's white, he's ruddy, he's got hair, he's got eyes, his cheeks, his hands, his legs. His mouth is most sweet. Yay. Yay. Yes. This is all true. Here's the summation of the church's description of the beloved. All I've said about him is true, and it adds up to this. Yay. He is altogether lovely. Altogether. All together. All together. He's, yes, he's the chiefest of all. And yes, he's altogether lovely. I like that. He's not partially lovely. He's not mostly lovely. He's not 99% lovely. He is altogether lovely. Lovely. You understand? There's none as good. Scripture tells us that. There's none good, no, not one. He's altogether lovely. There's none that seeketh after God. He's altogether lovely. He knows God perfectly. My beloved loves the Lord God with all his heart, his mind, his soul, and his strength, and, and he does it all the time. All the time. He's altogether lovely. Oh, my. There's none as good. There's none better inside and outside. He is altogether lovely. From the top to the bottom, he is altogether lovely. Neither is there any shadow of turning in him. He's altogether lovely. He stands head and shoulders and feet above all. Above all. Now, there's a reason for that. My beloved is over all. But in all things, he has the preeminence. He is the preeminent one. He is over all. Matter of fact, I was looking at uh, Gil's commentary, and I got tickled at it at the time. He said, this is called the Song of Songs. And it's called the Song of Songs because it's about the Holy of Holies, Jesus Christ. It's about the King of Kings. It's about the Lord of Lords. And this is the Song of Songs, Song of Songs of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Oh, my. He's altogether lovely. He's altogether lovely. He has all the preeminence because the altogether one, the altogether lovely one, made this world. In the beginning, he was with God. In the beginning, he, what? The altogether lovely one, was God. Amen. Oh, my. And in the beginning, he made all things that were made. And he was altogether lovely then. And he's altogether lovely now. 
And he right now is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. But here's the thing about the one, he is altogether lovely. 1 John 4 and 16, you don't have to turn there, but here it is. And we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. Amen. Oh, that's good. That's good. What? God is love. He's altogether lovely. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. And God in him. You understand? He is altogether lovely. Because he is love. He is love. Oh, my. And then... Oh, this, this one that's altogether lovely, this one is my beloved. This is my beloved. Now she's talking to the, in this chapter, she's talking to the daughters of Jerusalem. This may not be their beloved, but this is my beloved. Whether it's your beloved or not, this is my beloved. I'll not have another. There is no other. There is no other than the one who is altogether lovely. There is no other because my beloved is the chiefest of all. My beloved is God himself manifest in the flesh. My beloved is the son of God. My beloved is the son of God. And go back to that. His mouth is the most sweet. What did the father tell us? Hear ye him. Oh, his mouth is most sweet. He is altogether lovely. And this is my beloved. This is my beloved. My beloved is the Redeemer. The Redeemer. My beloved is the, the Lord of hosts, the Holy One of Israel. Thou shalt call him. What did he say? The God of the whole earth shall he be called. Spurgeon once said, think about this. Because I think this is good. I didn't ask to be chosen from before the foundation of the world. I didn't ask for election. I didn't ask Christ to die for my sin. I did not ask to be redeemed. All of that was done before I was born. All of it was done before I was born. And who was it done by? It was done by the one who is altogether lovely. Oh, I like that. I like that. Why was this done? He is altogether lovely, and he did this in love. For his people. Oh. That's altogether lovely. What does it say? And this is my friend. Greater love hath no man than this. Than a man. That a man lay down his life. For his friends. 
That's first John 15 and I mean, excuse me, that's John 15 and 13. The good shepherd came to give his life for his sheep. The altogether lovely came to give his life for his people, for his bride, for his betrothed. Ah, I like that. You understand, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what a betrothal is? It's a promise to marry. It's the promise of an intimate relationship. It's the promise. I want to marry you. You don't betroth yourself to everybody. He betrothed himself to his church, to his people. And you know what? He loves us. He's altogether lovely himself, but he's altogether loving of his people. And that never changes. And you understand, if he's betrothed you, if he's betrothed to you, and you are betrothed to him, you're going to get together. Amen. You're going to be wed. There's going to be what? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Why? Not because of you. Because of him. Because of him. He is altogether lovely. He's going to make it happen. And as a matter of fact, he's already promised us bridal wedding garments. The garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness. He's going to clothe us. He has clothed us in his righteousness. Why? Because he loves his people. And he gave himself for his people, and he ever liveth to make intercession for his people. He is altogether lovely. This is my friend. This is my beloved. And yea, he is altogether lovely. Now, somebody wrote this. I don't know who, so I can't give him any credit. It says this. He came from the bosom of the Father... To the bosom of a woman. He became the son of man. That we would become the sons of God. Amen. He lived in poverty. And was reared in obscurity. He had no wealth. No influence. No training. No family of renown. In infancy. He startled a king. In boyhood. He confounded the doctors. He walked on land, on sea, and on air. Great men have come and gone, and he still lives on. Herod couldn't kill him. Satan couldn't tempt him. Death couldn't destroy him. And the grave couldn't hold him. I like that. While he was here, he slept in another man's manger. He rode another man's foal, and he was buried in another man's tomb. He was cursed that we might be blessed. He died that we would live. He was forsaken by the Father so that we would never be forsaken by the Father.
Yea, he is altogether lovely. I like that, I do. Uh, what was it? Henry used to say all the time, to write the love of Christ would drain the oceans dry, and the, though the sky was a scroll, couldn't hold it. It couldn't hold it. We don't know what he's done for us. We don't know what he's doing for us. But you can know this. He loves us. And he gave himself for us. Oh, what? The godly for the ungodly. You understand? It's not you. It's not me. It's him. It's always been him. It always will be him. Thank God for him. Thank God for him. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are thankful again for this time and this place. Most of all, thankful for you, our Lord Jesus Christ. You sent him to us for us. You sent him and he obeyed. He followed your will, your purpose, to save a people, his people, from their sins. And he keeps us and blesses us and makes us walk in his paths. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. Be with Paul as he's in Wheelersburg preaching. Be with Walter as he comes to preach to us here. Be with all that are sick and can't be here but would like to be. Lord, take care of your people. You always do. You always will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. My God, my Lord.